Hello, hello, and welcome to the Awesome in Seattle podcast. This is Christian Awesome with the Awesome and Awesome Group, and today I have not only one special guest, but two. We always have the special guest, Jason Saldariaga, on here. Yes, you do. Hello. And today, in addition to Jason, we have an awesome person, Don <laughs> Bennell, co-founder of Node. And Node is basically a company. Well, I'll let you describe. What is Node? Node is, I mean, we're you know, fundamentally a housing company, right? Yeah. And we deliver homes for folks. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do that by solving like a couple really fundamental problems, right? And the first is a consumer problem. So if you want to build a new home, it's super complicated. For a mm-hmm. lot of people, it feels overwhelming, right? Um, and probably the biggest problem from a comp- consumer perspective, it's super risky. Yeah. So, well, there's so many unknowns. Absolutely, right? And you have to make hundreds, if not thousands, of decisions mm-hmm. around tile and mm-hmm. backsplashes, ground color, color yeah. all kinds of things most people don't want to do, right? Yeah. But really, the biggest problem for a consumer is that you've, if you build with a general contractor, it's almost guaranteed to be over budget mm-hmm. and behind schedule, yep. right? Um, Everyone's heard horror stories of that. So that's kind of the first problem that we're trying to address. And the second problem we're trying to address is just the inefficiency of building. Mm-hmm. So we still build the way we did 100 years ago, mm-hmm. literally with a hammer and nails. It hasn't changed, right? Yeah. And we think about the way technology has impacted everything else in our lives. It hasn't come to home building yet. That's true. And it's one of the things that we're trying to change by making the whole process a lot more efficient. So what we do for consumers is um, we make the process really easy mm-hmm. by giving them a turnkey experience. Mm-hmm. We do the permitting, we do the design, we build the home for them, and really all you got to do is bring the furniture and it's ready to go. Nice. The most important thing we do for consumers is we give them a guaranteed price. That's insane though, because no construction company does that. Right. That, not that I've ever heard of, at least. Right. That's just unheard of, and that's pretty amazing because that's where all these decisions end up costing you way more money in the end Yep. because you change things here and there and it always right. adds up. And well, often I've, you don't even change anything, yeah, exactly. but the price still changes. Yeah. So sorry, the subcontractor charged more than I expected exactly. and they pass the price on to you. Well, mm-hmm. and I think it's a barrier that prevents a lot of people from even moving forward with entertaining the idea of building anything. Right. So it's true. Right, exactly. Back yeah. to my point, it just feels overwhelming for people, yeah. right? Understandably so. Yep. Um, so that's, you know, that's kind of the, the fundamental problem, one of the fundamental problems we're trying to solve, but by giving people a guaranteed price, if you step back and think about it for a second, what else do you buy that you don't know the price of, right? Mm-hmm. Everything else has a fixed price yeah. and it should, right? Yeah. And the yeah. home shouldn't be any different. So, yeah. you know, that's kind of making it super simple and giving folks a guaranteed price. So what um, do you guys focus on building like a... 3,500, 4,000 square foot house. Do you do, what do you do? Yeah, so we're developing a system for building and I can get into a little bit more detail on that later. Um, But what we're focused on today is backyard cottages Mm -hmm. and small vacation homes. We're only open for business in Western Washington today. Nice. Um, we'll, we'll eventually expand to other parts of the country, but right now we're really just focused on Seattle and kind of the areas around Seattle. Okay. Um, So it's backyard cottages, small vacation homes, and eventually we'll grow that to single family homes. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, later multifamily, but right now we're, we're super focused on some of the smaller buildings. Cool. And that's where, and that's why we brought you on today was mostly because, you know, with all the new regulations in Seattle talking about ADUs and DADUs, you know, detached accessory dwelling units, basically a backyard cottage, which they've got to come up with a better 
do. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> granny flat, backyard cottage. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Something. Yeah, like, and we're, people are always talk, talking past each other because they're like, what are we what? talking about? Yeah. Is it backyard cottage? Is it daddy? It's all kind of the same daddy? thing. Um, so if, if you, listener, are curious about what the new regulations are in Seattle that we're going to be referring to, just listen back to our Dadu Issues episode, which is hilarious. Um, we love that that name. Yes, uh, we do. But in that in that episode, we basically cover all the rules and regulations. We'll go over a little bit more uh, later on today. But um, if you really want the whole whole spiel of what's going on, just listen to that past episode. Um, so the reason that we wanted to bring you on was because of the Dadu issue <laughs> um, and that's it's really so confusing we're in the infancy of these new rule changes um, and we really wanted to I wanted to give our clients and our listeners really an idea of what they could expect and how they could add a dadu to a property and what to expect cost wise and really the whole thing um, and that's really why I wanted to bring you on today so uh, thank you, Don, mm-hmm. for for coming on and sharing all your expertise. We actually uh, was it a couple weeks ago. We we did a American Dream TV episode yep. where we get to actually showcase one of your your units. Um, so if you're interested, just go to our website awesomenawesome.com and click on the American Dream link. You'll you can watch all those past episodes and you can see what we're talking about. Um, but they're they're cottages, backyard cottages, dadus, whatever you want to call them. They are pretty amazing they're they're gorgeous they're more modern um but they just they just make sense uh and i and i love the fact that you guys are sustainable as well um tell me kind of about why you chose to go the sustainable route versus just cheap and throw it up there as quick as possible yeah i mean i i i got into this business and and started this company with my co-founder beck chapin um because I had this personal problem. I moved to Seattle about five years ago, built a new home, mm-hmm. took a lot longer and cost so much more than it was supposed to. And mm-hmm. everyone told me that was normal. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to work on this problem because I just had such an acute pain around it, yep. right? Um, but I come from a sustainability background. I was kind of in the clean energy business before I got into nice. got into Node. Um, so I was, I was like, I wanted to work on this problem, but it had to have a sustainability angle. Mm-hmm. And the more I dug in, the more I started to understand how buildings impact the environment. Mm-hmm. 40% of carbon emissions come from buildings. Wow. Homes are about half of that. Wow. Right? And we've got all the technology to make a building zero emissions. Um, but generally, people don't employ that technology. So we are mm-hmm. a mission, we're a mission-driven company. Nice. Um, and what we're about is getting sustainable buildings to people that are well-designed, really well built, have no toxic materials inside them. That's huge. Good for the environment. And we do all of that at a really reasonable price. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what's really different for, for, from us. And kind of going back to one of the things, it's like, how do you do all those things, right? Yeah. How do you get sustainability, non-toxic materials, good design to people at a good price? Yeah. And you have to change the system. And that's what we're working on doing. So, you know, building, as I said earlier, is really arcane. We build with hammer and nails still, right? So what we've done is we've taken a lot of that process out of the field, moved it into a factory under a controlled environment where Mm -hmm. we can do quality assurance, quality control, and basically build components in the factory, bring them out to site, and then assemble them on site. 
That's awesome. And when you move to that kind of factory production method, you can get economies of scale, and mm -hmm. then you can start to deliver essentially a better product at a lower price. Yeah, no, so that, that makes that's total fundamentally sense. what we're trying to do. Makes complete sense, and that's it's interesting that that hasn't been employed at a on a larger scale in yeah. the U.S. I know some companies do things like that here and there, but it's not at scale yet, right? As far as I know. Yeah, and this is the future of home building. It's yeah, coming, yeah. Um, and there's a handful of companies working on it, and we're one of them. Yeah, that's awesome. It's funny how, like, 100 years ago, the Sears boxcar houses that, you know, mm -hmm. they'd, they'd ship you in a, tra in a train, the entire right. house with basically, like, Ikea. Yeah. And we've lost that, gone into more of this, like, a you custom, know, custom like, it's built on site, and yeah. we're coming back to to this modular approach. It's it's right. just a funny mm -hmm. yeah act of life i guess yeah and I, and I think the old system worked for a long time where we used subcontractors to do the framing the electrical the plumbing all these different specialty trades mm -hmm. and that worked for a long time it was a low cost not the most efficient but it was a low cost way to get buildings to folks um, and the biggest change that we've seen in the last 10 years is those kind of specialty trades have gone away so we have a million fewer construction workers today than we did 10 years ago wow why does it take 18, 18 months to build a single family home in seattle yeah because there's just not enough specialty trades oh, wow. and that's why we're moving all this stuff into a factory and into a different production method so we don't have to use those specialty and when trades. you say factory you're not saying like shipping it off to china you're talking you have a factory here that's that's right it's, yeah. it's down in soto we use um almost all northwest wood from the northwest nice so we use local materials and yeah and cool. the homes are built here good and then the components that you make so you you pre-produce certain components what what are we talking about here are they like half of the the framing of the house what, what are the sizes of these components that you then bring to the site to to assemble yeah so so it's wall panels typically everything can be but can be carried by by two people um so that's one of the big things when you're thinking about building a, a backyard cottage site access is super important mm -hmm. um you don't want to be craning a building over another building right yeah um, the Which is most people don't feel that comfortable with it, this massive thing going over <laughs> the top of the house so we've designed everything so it, it can be carried pretty easily by two people um, there are some heavier things, and we have some methods for getting those into the site as well. But we think really hard about site access. So the kind of things we're building in our facility are the wall panels and things like that. But then we use our, our hardware so they go together really quickly and easily on site. How many of these are you guys expecting to be able to build once you ramp up production a year? Yeah, so we're uh, targeting 25 next year. Nice. And we'll double or triple or even quadruple that next year. We're moving um, into a new production facility. Uh, also in Soto, but nice. a little farther south. Um, mm -hmm. So we're ramping up to um, to really kind of start getting to these at scale. And kind of the long-term mission of the company is really to get, you know, again, really well-designed, really sustainable buildings to people at scale is what we're ultimately trying to do. Perfect. You and I have been talking a lot because I'm actually looking at getting one in a duplex that I own in Wallingford. Yep. I understand the process, but let's pretend I don't. And let's walk me through how this process would work. If I want, if I'm raising my hand and I say, Don, I want a node dadu in my backyard. Yep. What do I do now? Well, I would say come to our website first. Okay. And that's node.eco, N-O-D-E.eco. Mm -hmm. And you can sign up online and we'll, we'll contact you almost immediately after you sign up. Um, so one of our salespeople, sometimes myself, will give you a call. Uh, and the first thing we do is like, give us your address. We can plug that into a partner site that we work with. It's a site called Much Ado. Okay. Um, and just from doing that 
search using that software, we can tell you with 95% certainty right then and there whether or not you qualify for a DADU. Nice. Right? Um, and you alluded this, to this before, but Seattle changed the regulations in July, making mm -hmm. it much easier to build a DADU. Yep. So you can build up to 1,000 square feet now. There's mm -hmm. no owner occupancy requirement anymore. Uh, minimum lot size is 3,200. So a lot more lots have been opened up to it, yeah, right? Exactly. So because it used to be 4,000 square feet minimum. Yeah, it was even actually a little bit larger than that. Was it 5,000 or yep. 4,500 yeah, or something 5, like that? 5,000, exactly. Yeah. Yep. So 3,200, that's, there's not a lot of lots in Seattle that have a single family home that are 3,200 square feet. Yeah. There are some, but they're very few and far between. So they essentially opened it up to almost every single family lot. I think I have yet to run into a client who doesn't have a big enough yeah. lot. Not saying they're not out there, but no one's reached out to us. Yeah, they are, but they're very few and far between. Yeah. Yep. Well, the lots are so small, they know for a fact that there's nowhere to put one. I'm definitely not going to be putting a dadu on this. <laughs> on this 2,000 square foot lot. Uh, we get some pretty crazy questions time. sometimes. I'm sure we do, <laughs> yeah. be surprised. Maybe you wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, not really, no. <laughs> um, so, right, that, so, so that's step one, right? Step you, one, you, you figure out Step one works. and two, really. You come to our website, get signed up. Um, we'll do just a real high-level feasibility for you mm -hmm. using the software. Um and assuming that that pans out, then the next step is we will come out and do a site visit. So cool. you tell us what size building do you want. We've got pre-designed floor plans for a 400, 600, 800,000 square foot backyard cottage, mm -hmm. right? So tell us you want an 800 square foot. We'll come out, we'll look at your lot, and just make sure there's nothing that's not coming up in our software search, mm -hmm. right, to make sure your site looks like it's buildable, right? Yep. And sometimes, um, and almost all the site visits I've ever done, it, it's all pretty feasible. Sometimes you'll have folks on a steep lot and we'll have to talk about, well, there's probably some additional site work mm -hmm. around building on a steep lot and things like yeah. that. But assuming a relatively flat lot, then um, we could probably go forward. Uh, the next thing then would be um, signing a deposit agreement with us mm -hmm. to get you into the queue so you, we can reserve your building spot for you. Okay. And then the next step is a contract. We do the permitting. Uh, right now in Seattle, it's about three months to permit a backyard cottage. Mm. Um, the city's coming out with some new rules that we, we think is going to speed that up, but Good. it's a little premature to talk about that. Yeah. Um, so right I know, now, I know when they passed the legislation, Mayor Durkin wanted to get the process or the permitting process to yeah. 30 days or less. Right. We'll see if that happens. And I think that's in the works, but I don't know yeah. enough to yeah. kind of tell you where they are right now. Yeah. Um, well, even if we did know, it's not like it would get necessarily passed. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> right. Um, so, you know, from contract um, to permitting is about three months, and then we're on site for about two months, right? So, mm -hmm. as opposed to anywhere from kind of eight, 12, 18 months with yeah, a general contractor. From, yeah. Um, and that's because we go back to this efficient process for building, right? Mm -hmm. um, so we're on site for about two months, and then um, we hand over the building ready to move into. We literally, all I have to do is bring the furniture. So we do the utility hookups for you. We really take care of everything except for the furniture. And that's a big deal. Uh, and I don't know if people realize that. It's huge to try and get all the utilities, the foundation, all those things that you don't necessarily think of. Yep. Those are... Kind of pain points for most people yeah. when they're in that process. Right, and understandably, most people don't know where to no. what to do. Right, no. and why would they? Right, they have their real job. Yeah, this is not their real job. Yeah, and it's yeah. So the fact that you guys literally handle everything, the buyer or the owner of this dadu just shows up and says, "Hey, let's do this," and 
in five, six months, it's right. done. Yep. And, you know, and, and a building project's really only going to work if there's one party who's in charge of everything. Mm-hmm. If you start to mix the homeowner in with a general contractor, then maybe another contractor, everyone starts pointing fingers at each other. Yeah. Nobody's happy at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So you have to have one company who's in charge of the whole thing. Otherwise, it just doesn't work and everyone, and everyone ends up mad. Yeah. So let's go a little personal on mine. So sure. I, I have a permitted duplex yep. in Wallingford. Had fun with that one. Yeah. <laughs> and that one kind of fell through the cracks. Do you want to kind of go through that story and, and how? Because it was like, yeah, I should be able to get a dadu, no problem. It's yeah. a 4,000 square foot lot or whatever, 4,200 square foot. I don't know what it is, but yeah. like this should not be an issue. Should not be an issue, right? Yeah. yeah. And then... <laughs> we, should, we can do a separate podcast on the inefficient inefficiencies of legislation yes right and and i and i I think the you know i think the city council and the mayor um were acting with the best of intentions but sometimes when you write the laws you Mm -hmm. kind of forget about little things here and there and i think duplexes kind of fell into that so i went and talked to the city about this and they're like well technically a duplex is not a single family home Mm -hmm. and adus and dadus are for single family homes right yeah so Basically, they said no. And I was like, hold on. <laughs> yeah, wait a second. <laughs> this doesn't make sense, right? Because back in, so your that home was converted to a duplex in 1960. Yeah. In 1960, ADUs and DADUs were illegal. Yeah. You couldn't, didn't even have that option, yeah. right? So yeah. it's essentially a single family home with a floor that's been turned into an accessory dwelling unit. We should mm-hmm. probably just stop for a second and talk about the difference between an ADU and a DADU. Yeah. So under the new rules, you're allowed to now have a ADU and a DADU on your property. In addition to the home. In addition to the single family home. So the ADU is something that's inside the single family home. The best example is you turn a basement into kind of a dwelling unit, right? So with a kitchen and a bathroom and a Mm -hmm. separate entry, right? So that becomes an accessory dwelling unit. Mm -hmm. So you're allowed to have one of those plus a DADU, right? So that's a backyard cottage. Yep. Um, so what I said to them is like, if we permitted this today, this would just be a single family home with an ADU and then we could do a dadu. And they're like, yeah, that's right. I was like, okay, so what do we do next? And basically, um, after talking to quite a few people, we, we came back around and we said, oh, all you got to do is ask for a change in use. So at, when we go for the building permit, there's a box you can check and we'll, we'll change, we'll, we'll change the use to an ADU and a DADU. Instead of a duplex, we yeah. go back to a yeah. single family. So we got there. We got there after a lot of a lot of runaround that you went through, thankfully. Yeah. And this is the beautiful thing. Like I just said, Don, I, I'm really considering doing this. Can you help me out? And he said, Yeah. And I don't know how many hours you spent on my specific project. I don't have anything signed with you. I haven't paid any money. You're just going through the the steps to try to figure this out for me. And thank you because that was a lot of yeah, effort that you put in. Yeah, um, but that's the, it just kind of goes to show the kind of company that Note is. They're going to do what it takes. They're, I don't know, I was very impressed. I that's, appreciate that. That's a big reason why I wanted to bring you on. Thanks for um, So, yeah, thank you. So, let's talk about more about Dadus and what are people for the most part, what are, what's kind of their anticipated use? What are they using it for? Is it all landlords? Is it all... Like, what is it? People that are going to live in it themselves and rent out the front house? Like, what's what's what are you seeing? Yeah, I mean, just to break it down really generally, uh, I would say roughly about 60% of our clients are interested in doing this for passive income. So it's an investment for them, yeah. right? And 
if I mean, you guys are both real estate agents. Uh, mm-hmm. It's the only real estate class I can think of where the land is free. Yeah, you exactly. own the home. Yep. You've got this backyard. Mm-hmm. And now you can monetize it, right? Yeah. Um, so, which I think the city. This is the whole reason why they changed the legislation. Yeah. We have all these backyards that are underutilized that could be correct more dense. Yep. And that's the whole purpose. Right. And you are filling a gap that mm-hmm. is definitely out there. Yep. Because when I heard about these legislation or the legislation coming down the pike, I was like, well, what companies are solving this problem? Mm-hmm. And you were one of the only that I found. Um, and it's it's just interesting that, I don't know, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. I think this is, it's actually coming to fruition what the city wanted with these new reg- legislation. Right. Um, they want to fill in more without having crazy amounts of new construction or... Right tearing down the single family homes that are already there that are beautiful right. often right. Uh, that have the character of the city you know they don't they don't want to ruin all that and yeah. i think they're doing a good job totally agree i, I think it's a win win for homeowners yeah. mean, you, you preserve the character of the neighborhood mm-hmm. you still have single family homes but you add density at the same time yep. so you know i think it's great so about 60% are doing it for investment income and i would split that of that 60% maybe half are looking at long term rental and then mm-hmm. the other half are looking at Airbnb short-term type rentals. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's 60% of the customer base. About 20% um, are for age in place. So it's either yeah. older people who want to move into their backyard mm-hmm. um, and age in place kind of in the same neighborhood they've yeah. been living in for 20, 30, 50 years, yep. right? Um, in some cases, children building a backyard cottage for their parents so they're nearby as they age. Yeah. So that's another big Free use case. Free babysitting. There, yeah. <laughs> Didn't think about that. <laughs> uh, and then probably the most surprising use case for me has been people who want to build backyard cottages and move into the cottages because mm-hmm. they want to be kind of in a better designed, yeah. newer, cleaner home, right? Yep. They move into the backyard cottage and then they, they're going to uh, probably fix up the front a little bit and then uh, rent that out, yeah. either long-term or short-term. Which rental. I talked to my wife about moving into a thousand square foot three bed how'd that go and she, she said <laughs> three yeah kids? you might have uh, murder charges on our record after that <laughs> i was like yeah good point mm. i don't think we could swing that it would be a bit tight that yeah. would be a bit tight yeah <laughs> but i had to throw it out there right. <laughs> good for trying yeah exactly um i in fact on Sunday, we had a homebuyer class, and after the class, one of the people were talking about potentially doing something with a small home mm-hmm. or, or building. Yep. And I suggested buy a regular single family home in a neighborhood you want to be in. Yep. Because one, there's not a lot of land available. Yep. And two, the land that is available, pretty much all steep slope stuff. Yep. Which is very difficult to yeah, build. There's on. basically no vacant land. There's no vacant land right? left. Yeah. Yep. Unless you're going to tear something down and start from scratch. Yep. There's really no vacant land. Yep. So I was talking to him about this, and I suggested, because he's cool, he's just a single guy, he's younger. Yep. I suggested just put one of these dadus in your backyard, yep. rent out the front house, yep. decrease your monthly output for mortgage, because yep. you've got basically free land. You're going to be paying potentially most of your mortgage with renting out the front house, and yep. you can live for almost nothing. Yep. And he was like, oh, I just feel like I'd be handicapped with that big giant mortgage payment. I'm like, well, remember, you're going to rent out the front. Yep. It's not that big of a, of a deal. Right. He's like, oh, yeah. So 
we'll see what happens with yeah. that. But no, I think it's this new case. kind of emerging yeah. kind of real estate class. I think is really interesting. Yeah, there's which I mean, it's, you can play it. I'm all about. I mean, there's a big financial independence movement going on. Yep. Um, people trying to reduce or minimize their their every payment that they have every single month. Right. I think this is a great way to do that. Yep. Yeah, and it's like you know, it's our, our first client. That's exactly what she wanted. She, uh, you know, big yard up in West Seattle, and mm-hmm. she wanted to kind of secure a retirement income. Yeah, she was like, "What's the easiest way to do that?" Yep. Build a backyard cottage. She rents it out of Airbnb. Does really well with it. Yep. Um, you know, and she's got this steady source of income now. Yeah, I saw that. That's the one that I saw. Right. Yep. And that was cool. Cause she also added a little extra stuff on there, a little potting studio and things yeah. like that. I don't know if that's normal, but. <laughs> 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 but she did stuff like that, which was cool. She yeah. gets to use she gets to use some of it herself. Correct. Um, how do you project, or what are you thinking in five years? Where do you see kind of these dadus uh, changing Seattle? How do you see them changing Seattle? Is it going to be some major impact? Is it just going to be a little, you know, a, a drip in the pond? Is it going to be? What do you see? It? I mean, it has been a drip in the pond. Yeah, it has, and and I think that's due largely to the restrictive regulations around it. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably the most instructive thing we could do is look to Vancouver. Vancouver, British Columbia, not yeah. Vancouver, Washington. Yep. Um, and Vancouver, about 10 years ago, liberalized their backyard cottage regulations, and mm-hmm. they're building about 500 a year now, hmm. um, which is easily 10x what Seattle's been doing over yep. the last few years. So I think that's the direction we're headed in mm-hmm. is, is, is that kind of a volume. Yep. Um, and, you know, as we said before, I think it's, I think it's a win-win great for mm-hmm. homeowners, great for density in the neighborhood, more mm-hmm. walkable neighborhoods. Yep. Um, so yeah, I think it's, um, it's gonna, it makes a lot of sense and I think it's really going to catch on. We're seeing it up and down the West coast. Yeah. Um, Portland almost, changed theirs as Portland well. Portland changed theirs. We see it in most major cities in California. In fact, California yeah. passed a state law. Oh, wow. Um, Washington was really close to passing a state law around it, too, and it lost by um, just a few votes. It was really wow. narrow, and I think it's going to come, bu- come back up yeah. at the state legislature. Um, and there's other cities in Washington doing the same thing. But it just makes sense. I mean, everyone's thinking yeah. about density these days. Yep. A lot of that has to do with climate change. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think demographics have changed, and people want to be in the city again, right? 20 yeah. years ago, people wanted to be in the suburbs, and mm-hmm. I think that's you really changed a lot. You wanted a big, giant patch of grass that you had to water and mow. Right. <laughs> well, now people out. don't want that, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know that when the, when the DADU and ADU red legislation was passed, the city had projections of how many they assumed would be built or projected mm-hmm. to be built yep. and it's actually almost right in line with the numbers you were saying yep. they said i think they be, i believe they said over 10 years they expect about 4400 right. dadus to be added yep. and if you take into comparison how many every year or how many single family units are built every mm-hmm. year it was like 8800 right. a year yep and this is 4400 over 10 years right like that's nothing yep so for the people that were scared that this is going to change the city, that it's adding way too much density in all these neighborhoods, yep. it's just not going to happen. I it's totally not some, agree. Yeah, it's not it's some not title to, Nothing wave. to be scared of. No, here. exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's funny how people thought that's, that kind of thing was going to happen. But um, let's talk about energy and, and how much energy is used in, in your yeah. node units. Yeah, so... Um, you know, we kind of said at the beginning, one of our, we're a mission driven 
company and sustainability is one of kind of our core uh, values. Um, yeah. So how do we do that? Um, if you think about sustainability, the kind of the lowest hanging fruit is the building envelope. Mm-hmm. Um, and that means building a home with really good insulation, um, with high quality windows, tri- typically come kind of triple pane. Oh, nice. But that only makes sense if you really seal the building up well. Yeah. Um, and so it's not leaking air because yeah. good insulation and good windows doesn't matter if there's air leaking out of the building, exactly. right? So yeah, yeah. we seal the buildings really tightly as well. Um, but when you seal a building tightly, the building still needs to breathe. So kind of standard um, in all our designs is a essentially a heat exchanger mm-hmm. that brings fresh air in, takes the stale air out. Um, so it lets the building breathe, but you don't lose the energy. You don't lose the heat. Yeah. Um, so when we think about all our designs are super well insulated, super well sealed, and then they come with these heat recovery ventilators as kind of standard. That's awesome. Um, and so, you know, we think about sustainability, conservation is the easiest thing to do. Mm-hmm. And then everything comes solar ready. So we encourage people to put solar panels on their homes. Um, we can't force them to do that. Obviously, yeah. that's an individual choice, but it is solar ready. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they don't want to do it when we build, then they can do it really easily later on. After the fact. And, you know, yeah. what we found is um, that you can finance solar panels and often the finance cost is about the same as paying the utility bill. Wow. Um, a little bit more, but not, not significantly more. So, nice. it, you know, from an economics perspective, it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So let's say that for the one that I'm potentially putting in in my duplex in uh, Wallingford, yep. let's say I want to add solar. Do I do that myself? Do you guys handle that? How does that work? Yeah, so we, we have a partner company that we work with, so we would just handle that as part of the whole thing. So it all like goes normal, back to the turnkey experience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And um, we're totally transparent about that kind of stuff. We're not making money off of that. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the other thing I should note that if anyone is curious about pricing, all their pricing is transparent on their website. Correct. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. And you mentioned that the solar, it's solar ready. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? You actually see this on a lot of house, new houses th- yeah. these days. What does that actually mean? Is it pre-wired? What 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 is that to a no, buyer? Exactly, it's pre-wired. It's ready to go. We've got wires running up to the roof, so the solar installer just con- comes out and can hook up the um, the solar panels and then hook them into the lines that are already up to the roof. We also use um, a roofing style that um, is really those basically for um, for solar panels. There are some that just click right onto the roof. So, but you have to have a special kind of roofing type to do that. So we use that kind of roofing. Interesting. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Let's talk about design choices and stuff like that. What are, say I want to customize whatever I'm putting in. Yeah. How much say do I have to have and how much say do I get to have? Yeah. Which are two very different (laughs) points. Uh, Yeah. Tell me more about that. The answer is yes. (laughs) Oh, sorry. That wasn't a yes, no question. Um, yeah, if you want like super custom architecture, we're not the right solution, yeah. right? So if you want like these funky curved walls and this crazy roof line, that's that's not us. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, how do you get sustainability, high quality, good design to people at a reasonable cost? You don't redesign every time. Yeah. Um, so we've got these standard, like I said, 400, 600, 800,000 square foot units. Mm-hmm. Um, but you get to customize two degrees. So you can yep. pick, we've got a lot of different clouding options and you can make it look really cool and modern. Mm-hmm. If you want it to match your existing house, we can match the siding on your existing house. That's so awesome. So it kind of looks like your main house. Yeah, so it's not like this, you know, you have a craftsman and in the front, the main house, yeah. and then you got this 
which could be cool, but also might be an eyesore. Yeah. Big modern thing in the back. Yeah, and it's very dependent on your taste, right? Yeah, exactly. So different Everyone's people different. want different things. So you get to choose kind of how you want the cladding to look. Cool. Um, and then you, we've basically a curated interior design option. So we use an interior decorator, hmm. and we give you options, and you can pick like a little bit more modern look. Mm -hmm. You like white, you like gray. So you yeah. have different options there. Mm -hmm. um, so you can kind of personalize the interior to your own personal taste. So and if you don't like, like any of the things that we've already kind of curated, mm -hmm. you can pick. We've got a range of countertops and tile and flooring that got you can it. pick from. And you so can you kind of have a prearranged palette yeah. that we get to choose from. Yeah. We don't have to go pick out the exact grout color yeah. out of so, the But it's curated, choices. and that's the yeah. difference, right? Yeah. You don't have a thousand choices. You have a handful of choices, that's, that's right? The way and, to go. and that's what I mean. What I what I've found is that's what people want. Yep, they, they don't. Do. They want. They don't want to go through a thousand tiles. Yeah, you don't want to. You want to know that whatever of out of the handful of choices you make, one of the choices it's not going to look horrible. Exactly. And that's yeah, and that's all people ever really want. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. Um, I guess last question give people a better idea of pricing. I know it's all on the website and I know maybe one day it'll all change, but yeah. um, as of now, it's what, October, 2019, yeah. general pricing. Yeah, so there's an, inverse, there's an inverse relationship between the size of the building and mm -hmm. cost per square foot. Yep. Um, but we've got, you know, kind of our standard models out there. So starting at 150K, mm -hmm. so that's for the whole building ready to move into, mm -hmm. including the foundation. Um, and on all the way up to about a little over 300k for a thousand square foot kind of three bedroom unit and everything in between so nice. that's the pricing uh you know and people look at backyard cottages and the thing the key to remember with backyard cottages is um as you get smaller in footprint cost per square foot goes up yep because you still need a kitchen yeah. regardless of whether it's a 4,000 square foot home or a 400 mm -hmm. square foot home yep. right you still need at least one bathroom yep we usually have one and a half or two um, you still need a whole HVAC system, right? Mm -hmm. You still need a foundation. Um, so, um, you know, it's on a square footage basis, it's always more expensive to build a backyard cottage, yeah. but it doesn't have to be super expensive. Yeah, and I believe um, with some more projections that the city had when this, this regula regulations came out, they were projecting, you know, on average, 250 to 350,000 for mm -hmm. a backyard cottage. Right, and, right. and I think that's for a 600 square foot Wow. Right. Um, so I think that those I've seen those numbers as well. Yeah. So none, a couple of nonprofits around that have done that kind of a math. Right. Mm -hmm. And our, our 600 square foot units, 200 K. Yeah, that's um, great. And I, and I think a contractor would tell you 250, 300, 350 K. Yep. And then but, it would end up being more. Right, then, <laughs> It's almost certainly going to be more than that, yeah. right? Um, That's where it comes back to that guaranteed price. Yep. That's yep. huge. Yeah. So we think it's a great value. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then financing options, that's that's really the biggest hurdle, I think, for most people. And I think that's still something that is being figured out, kind of. Yeah, it's changed a bit. I mean, you know, our early clients were, were paying through cash or HELOCs, home mm -hmm. equity lines of credit. Yep. Um, but Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac have come out with new products just, I believe it was in June, it was June or July, mm -hmm. um, that uh, there's at least five or six banks in Seattle now um, that are using that kind of a product. So there is kind of a new emerging market around financing for backyard cottages. Good. And you know, if you come to us and we'll, we'll make intros to those banks and yeah. that's part of the service is at least hooking you guys up with yeah. kind of the, the right lender. Yeah. 
that's a big part of it, obviously. Yep, you for sure. Figure out how to pay for it. Yep, <laughs> yep. Because not everyone has a few hundred. Most people, around. yeah, can yeah. or don't want to pay cash yeah, for, exactly. for a new building. Yeah, yeah. So that's still somewhat emerging, but over time, I think that's going to be a much simpler process. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple lenders that are actually that are quite active doing. in it okay, already, cool. um, and there's another four that we know of that um, are starting to work on it. Okay. Well, good. That means options for you are out there, and you can figure out how to make this work if you are interested. So yep. Don, thank you very much for your time. Right. Um, appreciate appreciate it. I know that we're going to, well. we're going to give you a quick real estate market update real quick. So Jason, why don't you kind of take it away? Where, where are we at in the market right now? Yeah. I mean, I feel like we've been saying this for a few months now, but the, you know, for the last year and a half or so, the market's definitely calmed down. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, you look at like average prices and it just kind of hovers around the same numbers, 675, 720. Um, median sales price, but uh, we've said for the last few episodes, you know, it's kind of a tale of two cities where you're yeah. seeing a house that um, is on the market for four days and the neighbor is on the market for a hundred days. Yep. Um, and a lot of this comes down to two things. And we've, like I said, I, we've said this before, but I was talking to some agents yesterday about this exact thing. Uh, you, you, you know, listing a house right now is very, it's hard to set the expectation because you don't know what's going to happen. Like mm-hmm. how fast is it going to sell? If you accept an offer, some of these offers, because they're not as strong uh, in terms of what we were seeing two years ago where the buyer doesn't have as many options to back out. Yep. Um, now they have options and they are backing out on occasion. And that really makes it hard for the house to come back on the market and mm-hmm. sell quickly. It just, it's a, it's a bruise on the home. Yep. Um, you know, I saw a house in North Seattle, an amazing house, very well priced after they lowered the price a couple times. <laughs> um, now it's very well priced. It has one and a half bathrooms, which sounds great. However, the second floor is where two of the bedroom, two of the three bedrooms are. So the one on the first floor is more like an office and the ba- bathroom on the second floor is a half bath. Ah. So, you know, you look at this and it's been sitting for 60 plus days. Mm-hmm. Two years ago, it would have gone the day it was listed. It's an amazing house, very cute. But that one thing is Mm -hmm. really hurting it. It was a little overpriced initially, but they've lowered it down now. So, um, so yeah, it's. I feel like we're still seeing this tune. But you add to the mix the seasonal variation that we see every every year, the annual cycle. You know the the uh, weather cools down, and so does buying. Yep, people. You know are working their butts off now their kids are in school there's very little sunlight yeah you know it is not necessarily the best time to buy for a lot of people and so um if you're a buyer it might be a good time to start looking because you might be competing against fewer buyers that being said you might have fewer options yep but uh so it's kind of choose your adventure yeah but (laughs) as a a seller i'd say too i mean we kind of told you six months ago if you had a home that was harder to sell had a weird funky floor plan had something weird going on put it on the market then not now mm. uh because of this exact scenario yep. if if you still if you didn't sell and you're thinking you want to i would say wait until april may june something like that and reconsider at that time uh, it's because- also really important to find an agent that's really good at marketing because yes. you can potentially 
market the hell out of something that yep. is weird yeah and make it work it, you know staging makes a big big, big, big difference. difference yeah um we actually looked at a house yesterday that the, had they not staged it the way that they did everyone would have been scratching their yeah, head. Yeah, the basement, you'd be like, I mean, it's nice, but what are you going to use the space for? Yeah. But then they staged it and it's just a logical like, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. But you would not think, it's like an Apple yeah. product. You look at it and you're like, of course that's how it should be. Yeah, it wasn't <laughs> until Apple came out with it. Yeah, exactly. Go look at Android. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you see what it the obvious be. isn't necessarily easy. So, yeah. but yeah, it's an interesting time, so. Perfect. Well, thank you again, Don, for coming on. Again, if anyone has uh, any questions about uh, detached accessory dwelling units, Node, N-O-D-E is the company name, and they're located at node.eco, E-C-O. Um, that's not a .com, not a .net, eco. Nope. <laughs> so go check them out there, and uh, and that's it for this episode of Awesome in Seattle's podcast. Thanks, Thanks guys. For listening. Really appreciate it. Thanks. Of course.